Jesus is here. He came, he lived, he suffered, um, died, was resurrected to make sure we know the suffering we experience now does not have the final word over us, no matter what you're experiencing. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit to keep that promise of um, death does not win, suffering does not win, evil does not win, to keep that promise in our ears. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. Sarah Stenson is back on Scripture First and makes a point in this week's conversation that people say that Lutherans don't talk about the Holy Spirit. Well, today's conversation should change that perception as we dive into what the Holy Spirit's role is, what the Holy Spirit's role isn't, and how the Holy Spirit relates to both God the Father and Jesus. And, spoiler alert, the Holy Spirit's role is not to guide you in your decision-making, who to vote for, what job to take, or who to marry. The Holy Spirit's one job is to make sure Jesus' promise of the forgiveness of our sins stays in our ears. Let's get to this week's conversation. But first, here's John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. We have Sarah Stenson with us this week. Thanks for being here, Sarah. Thank you. Woohoo! <laughs> we're uh, we're back in John, Sarah. It's probably one of the shorter uh, uh, Scripture. Uh, there's short text throughout the lectionary, but this is a, a shorter one. Yeah. Three verses. Three verses. Uh, it's Christ speaking. I'll just uh, go through the first line. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of Truth comes, He will guide you into all all the truth. Mm-hmm. So what, I mean, what sort of things uh, can the disciples not bear? Well, so mm. let's, I'll just back it up just a little bit. Sure. Um, So we're in John 16 here, verses 12 to 15. And this is not too long before the betrayal, arrest, and crucifixion of Jesus. So when he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. This is part of a much longer um soliloquy or discourse by Jesus here. Um, and he kind of, he, he repeats this idea uh, that you cannot bear it now. You basically, you can't handle the truth, but I'm going to spend to send my helper, the paraclete. This is what he says a few verses prior to, prior to verse 12. And then in this one, we get the spirit of truth. But when he's saying now in verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. That's verse 12 in its entirety. 
Jesus there is preparing the disciples for what is going to happen to them after Jesus has been crucified and resurrected, because Jesus knows that's just about to happen. They're right on the cusp of the crucifixion and resurrection. And so what he's saying is the time is not yet here. The time has not yet come for the disciples to understand what he is saying because he hasn't completed what he came to do. His ministry is not fulfilled yet. But he's telling them when the Holy Spirit comes, he will have a very specific job to do. The Holy Spirit will have a very specific job to do. And then he goes forward there into verse, what is now verse 13, to say what that specific job is. Um, One other interesting thing, though, there on verse 12, that Luther actually spends a fair amount of time on, is when Jesus says the disciples cannot bear now what Jesus has to tell them, he's not only talking about what's going to happen to Jesus or what's going to happen with the Holy Spirit. He's also telling them, he's talking about the persecution and suffering those disciples are going to endure because of Jesus. Um, And he's telling them the Holy Spirit will come to keep Christ in their ears. That, And then we'll get into that in these next couple of verses, that that is the job of the Holy Spirit, to keep Christ's promise, in even in the ears of the disciples, because Jesus knows what every one of those disciples is going to suffer and endure. Um, and it's not going to be pretty. Now, for those of us today, it's, it's exactly the same thing. Um, the Holy Spirit did not come, um, nor did Jesus, to be a co-sufferer with us in the you know, hardships and pain of this world. What do you, what do you mean by that? That's the, that sort he, of... the Holy Spirit and Jesus are not just there. So let's say you're literally at a, in a hospital room or talking to a friend who's going through a horrible tragedy or sadness, whatever it is. It's easy for Christians to say in moments like that, Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. Well, yes, Jesus is with us here and now, but Jesus is not here to leave us in our suffering. That's actually what this text is going to get out, get at. Jesus is here. He came, he lived, he suffered, um, died, was resurrected to make sure we know the suffering we experience now does not have the final word over us no matter what you're experiencing. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit, to keep that promise of um, death does not win, suffering does not win, evil does not win, to keep that promise in our ears. And that's why Jesus says, you cannot bear this now, because if it's pre-resurrection, right. pre the thing that takes away your sin, that I mean, that's the only it, way that you would really understand the role of the Holy Spirit is... Right. After that's already accomplished. So it, right. it makes sense that he's, I mean, when you that you just pluck this verse out and you say, you cannot bear it now. You cannot handle the truth. Right. It seems literally it a seems few v- good men. Yeah. It seems yeah. Really yeah. Really all I'm truth. thinking about. It yeah. seems very weird to, <laughs> yeah. for Jesus to say that. But when it's in context, you're <laughs> no, like, that's oh, right. Well, and duh. even a little more context there, Mason, you're exactly right, is up in verse seven. So five verses before where this starts, Jesus says, It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, 
will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Um, so that's exactly right. It The Holy Spirit has not yet been sent, been given to those disciples because Jesus is still there. But it is kind of wild that he's even telling them that the Spirit's coming before he tells them that the Spirit is here. He's literally foreshadowing. He is. He's, And this is why it's beautiful to read Luther's treatment of just that verse, because he talks about this is actually Jesus um, providing words of comfort comfort to his disciples because they don't know the depth of what's about mm-hmm. to happen, but Jesus does. Mm-hmm. So uh, he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. So uh, he's a, it's a spirit, B it's a spirit of truth. So mm-hmm. not of lies. Uh, what, what sort of truth is uh, this spirit guiding us into? Yeah. And it is, I mean, this, it, these three or four verses are dense. Yeah. So I think it's worth slowing down um, for us today, but but if you're preaching it or working through it um, in a Bible study, to just kind of take it even clause by clause. So the spirit of truth. The truth there, the Greek word is aletheia, which is reality or divine truth. This is not speculative. This is not um, you have your truth, I have my truth. That's not what Jesus is saying. This is not opinion. It is the spirit of truth, divine truth, reality. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. So the the guide there is hodegeo, which, he's, which means lead, guide, instruct, and teach. And this verse, um, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all the truth. People frequently stop right there. And think, ah, the Holy Spirit is my guide. He's my mentor. He's my, um, you know, going to tell me what decision to make or which mm-hmm. path to go on. Because you, oh, he's a guide into all the truth. That is actually not what um, Jesus is saying. Because hold on to truth is divine truth, reality, not speculative, not opinion. So when Jesus is saying, the spirit of truth will guide you into all the truth. You have to keep reading the second half of that statement for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears and then etc. for he will not speak on his own. So what this little couple clauses is telling us is the work or the job of the Holy Spirit is not to help us make decisions It is not to help us vote. The Holy Spirit doesn't care who you vote for. That's a matter of the law. The Holy Spirit's job is not to make you a better person or a better Christian. It is actually to deliver, to declare to you the things that are to come. And as we're going to hear, to deliver Christ. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, not to guide you in a decision-making process. Is it in Christian culture, it's you hear it all the time that, oh, the Holy Spirit told me to marry you or date you or I don't know. It's just like, 
in this the Holy Spirit told bachelor me to stop eating yeah. my yeah. cereal at 1030 at night and to rush to the emergency room because something is going to happen there. Like people like think that, oh, because I have this like that gut was feeling. A very they, specific yeah. example, Carrie. <laughs> yeah, <actually, it's> <laughs> yeah, no, but, but that's, no, that's true. I think a lot of people right. use your gut, re- gut feeling or yeah. gut reaction and say that's the Holy Spirit working in my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's exactly right. Philip Carey. Is it Philip Carey? Uh, Good News for Anxious Christians. I think it's Philip Carey who wrote that book, Good News for Anxious Christians. First few chapters, he does a great job of laying out exactly what you're getting at, Mason, um, which is Christians nowadays will use the Holy Spirit as uh, basically a dodge for taking responsibility for their own decisions. Yeah. The Holy Spirit made me do it. I voted for so-and-so or I made this decision because the Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me. And it'll be framed in very um, religious, spiritual yeah, sort spiritually of, yeah. type language, which is very common. And I actually did have this happen to me when I was in college. I was a sophomore or junior in college, and my one of my roommates um, had a friend from high school who is also at college with me at Luther College. And um, this guy who I just met, he came over and visited my my roommate, Jenny, and he went back to his dorm. That was in the days where the boys were in a separate dorm from the girls, the good old days. That's the way it should be. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, I appreciated Maria it. Boom. Yeah. Um, so he walked across campus to his uh, freshman boys dorm and and called me and said, the Holy Spirit told me I need to go on a date with you. <laughs> I was like, oh, absolutely not. That have, you, have you ever used that pickup line app? <laughs> No, but I tried to date my wife for too long, so maybe I should have. Yeah, maybe it would have worked. Maybe it would have worked. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's not, that is not the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit Spirit told me to run away from you. Yeah, the Holy Spirit told me to hang up right now. (laughs) So, and so this, this text now, um, I think completely smashes to smithereens the idea that the Holy Spirit does anything. Uh, in the law it can, to help the Holy us Spirit make a decision. convicts sin, though. Absolutely. But when the Holy Spirit works to forgive you, yeah. this is also convicting you of sin. So mm. you don't need forgiveness if you are not guilty. When I say, I forgive you, Adam. That's not conviction. It is an, but it is an accusation in the law. The Luther actually makes this point. It cuts both ways. Now, John makes it clear that the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. There's no question about that. Yeah. But practically speaking, logically speaking, when you forgive sin, you are also accusing the person of being a sinner. You do not need forgiveness if you are not a sinner. So the same word, I forgive you, cuts both ways depending on where your conscience sits. If you don't think you've done anything wrong and I say... I forgive you, then you're going to hear it as accusation because it is an accusation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly, it is an accusation. And when you hear it that way, which absolutely can be the work of the Holy Spirit, convicting you of your sin, like, oh my gosh, I did screw up. I do need forgiveness. So so by definition, the work of the Holy Spirit is, of course, to convict of sin, mm-hmm. but it is also 
forgiveness of sin. Yeah. And, it, and the two actually happen in the same word. I forgive you cuts both ways. So the second half of verse 13 says, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Can you, can you dive into that? Yes. Um, so again, Luther has a great treatment of this um, part of verse 13. And this is actually how Luther put it. Um, he said, this is what we know, that the things that are to come, that this is how Luther says it, that we know that Christ will reign until the end and preserve his Christendom. And we know how he'll finally destroy the rule of the Antichrist and his Lord, the devil. This prophecy is more certain to us than all signs and wonders, for it will survive the devil's most spiteful opposition. He will not succeed in deposing our Christ, but Christ shall and will overthrow him together with all his followers. So that's the function of the Holy Spirit, to keep that promise and certainty in our ears and in our hearts as we experience the suffering and persecution and fear and doubt. Um, that's what the Holy Spirit is going to be declaring to us. Those are the things that are to come. But we don't have to be afraid or worried about what it is that is to come. Well, yeah, it's going to, like you just said, uh, you quoted Luther, it will survive the devil's most spiteful opposition. I mean, there's no exactly. fear there. If it's going to survive the most spiteful opposition, what do we have to be afraid of? That's exactly it. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit to keep that, what do we have to fear? To keep that confession in our hearts and coming out of our mouths, keep that preaching coming out of our mouths to free our congregations and our fellow Christians, to free them from the fear and the doubt and the uncertainty. Well, yeah. and then it continues on to say what he will do. Yep. So he kind of maps it, starts mapping it all out. And he says, he will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And then he goes on to verse 15, all that the right. father has is mine. For that reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Yep. So I think that that, I mean, he's literally saying he will glorify me. Yes. And again, this is a great text. Actually, all of these verses 12 to 15, they're great verses when you run into people saying, well, what does the Holy Spirit do? We never talk about the Holy Spirit as Lutherans, which I hear frequently. People think we don't talk about the Holy Spirit. We, we do. And this is a great um, text to turn to to say, okay, what does the Holy Spirit actually do? Um, he will glorify me. And again, now when we think, we think, well, like American Idol glorify. But what he's, <laughs> what he's really saying is to glorify Christ is to make Christ recognized. Give us faith in Christ, to bring words of praise, confession of faith out of our lips um, because of the work of the Holy Spirit. So this is another way of saying the same thing that the the one job the Holy Spirit has is to actually finally, ultimately keep Christ's promise in our ear, the forgiveness, the peace, the certainty to hand over Christ's estate, forgiveness of sin. That's it. And, and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is never separated from Jesus Christ ever, never, which goes to the beginning of our conversation about the Holy Spirit is not there to help you make a decision or vote for the right person. I don't even care if it's a church vote. Doesn't matter. 
The work of the Holy Spirit is not to help you make a decision. Never separated from Jesus Christ. Um, the next verse, actually, verse 15, is huge. Now, this is, we call this Holy Trinity Sunday, Holy Trinity Sunday. And this is why. Of course, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit and Jesus. Mm-hmm. But now Jesus explicitly brings in, in verse 15, the Father. And he says, all that the Father has is mine. So there's Jesus and the Father. And we've, we've heard this in other, um, throughout the Gospels, you, the Father and I are one, no yep. one gets the Father except through me. So this is mm-hmm. another, all the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the, the Trinity, as we call it, which is a word that is not found in Scripture, but Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This is why we call it Holy Trinity Sunday. So Jesus now is overtly saying you cannot separate Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You yeah, can't no pair one off of the other. Nope. All that the Father has is mine. Right. And the Holy Spirit will take what is mine and declare it to you. Exactly. There's no you cannot breaking separate the loop them. there. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. You cannot separate one from the other from the other. And the work or the mission of all three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is to kill the sinner and raise the forgiven Christian to new life. All of Scripture is saying that over and over. In this three or four verses, though, we have it explicitly, Jesus telling us this is exactly what He came to do. It's what the God, God the Father sent Him to do, and it's what the Holy Spirit will do and now does for us as baptized, forgiven Christians. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Sarah Stenson for teaching us that if it's going to survive the devil's most spiteful opposition, what do we have to fear? To glorify Christ is to make Him recognized to give you faith in Him, to bring words of praise, a confession of faith, out of your lips. That's the role of the Holy Spirit, to keep Christ's promise of the forgiveness of our sins in your ear. Luther House of Studies' mission is to strengthen Lutheran leadership and ministries for the proclamation of the gospel. We wouldn't be able to serve current and future ministry professionals, as well as members of the church, without the generous support of people just like you. If you or your congregation is interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send our co-director, Sarah Stenson, an email at sarah.stenson at lutherhouseofstudy.org. That's sarah.stenson at lutherhouseofstudy.org. You can find our email in the show notes or find more information about supporting Luther House of Study at lutherhouseofstudy.org. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, the Holy Spirit is speaking Jesus' promise. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.